0: Welcome to Upholding Matters. I'm your host, David Paul. Well, I've had a pretty busy week, and I've decided to do this in two parts, because technically it's Thursday. I try and get the show out on Friday, Saturday latest, and I've been through quite a few things this week already publicly, but tomorrow there's a couple of big things locally, And nationally, it's getting very close to the time that really, really gets scary. It seems like the final negotiations are going on between Robert Mueller and Trump. And we'll see soon how this plays out. Now, the week started locally with an observance of Veterans Day at our local cemetery. We go there every year and enjoy the stories from veterans about their time in war, the Second World War, the Korean War, stories from children about their family members who were in the Second World War and other wars. So there's always great celebration and patriotism that goes on in a remembrance of those who, well, really put their lives on the line the United States of America. And with all that's going on in the news about the Veterans GI Bill money that is helping a lot of people finish college or uh, support themselves while they go to school, it's just not getting out. And it's kind of a sad continuation of the confusion that goes on in the VA. And when you think about the military, this is the way I look at it. You have people that, very brave people that join the police department and the fire department. And when the time comes, they put their lives in the line. It's not 24 seven, it's not constant. Some people, my sister's husband, his father was a Chicago policeman who claims that in his 32 years of service, he never once pulled his service revolver. That's in the days when they had 38s on their hip, and he just never, ever even pulled it out of its holster. And the fire department, what a tremendous job that is, tremendous responsibility. You have to go into a fire and save people and prevent fires and... We know that the firemen on 9-11 were just heroically brave. Their mission was to save people, and they died trying. So, oh, and I think about, like, a space explorer, an astronaut, or even a future Star Trek guy. You know, their mission is to explore space, and they may hit some rough patches deal with some rough characters but they're basically explorers and science people but if you're in the military whether you're a soldier on the ground a airman in the air or a sailor on the seas your job is to either destroy something defend something or to observe something it's dangerous it's built in there's a lethal aspect that's implied and some people see a great disproportionate uh, rise in the violence that they're around um, an infantryman for instance the constant pressure of war you know I went to the Vietnam War Memorial it's um, It's overpowering when you look at the laws and the generation of people that will never have families or contribute in any way. And as haunting and compelling as the Vietnam Memorial Wall is, I would think of this story that's resurfaced. I've heard this before, but it was that Richard Nixon in the 1968 presidential campaign, worked behind the scenes to muck up the Paris peace accords that could have ended the Vietnam War then. Instead, he thought there was a political advantage to keeping the war going, and that's what happened. And all the names of these men on the wall that died half of them didn't need to be there. And that's frighteningly sad and bizarre and twisted and sick. And just about as irreverent of truth as as you can get. So Tuesday rolls around and it's the night for City Council twice a month on Tuesday, second and fourth Tuesday. And I spoke about a veteran that I just saw that day. Turning out of a Walmart, there was people ahead that were trying to turn left and it was taking time. And he's got a sign and normally I don't interact unless there's something I can do to help. But I asked him, I put down my window and I said, "Um, have you tried the Valley Oasis? Because I know they do provide some help. And he told me, oh yeah, they gave him a voucher. He got two months in a hotel and then they approved him for some money and it wound up being $700 a month. So it's pretty hard to live around here in Southern California on $700 a month. And I got to talk about my continued exploration of the various places that are trying to assist the homeless in general, and especially the veterans. And it was a pretty good time. I mean, I love meetings where you get to say the Pledge of Allegiance and people really care about making things better for other people. You know, you get into the county and the state and the federal and it's hard to do anything there locally in a nice medium-sized city like this. You meet the people in charge and you get to effect change the best you can by making the best argument you can. And that's what I always strive to do. And it usually winds up, and rarely, it you know, uh, the second Wednesday is sometimes after the second Tuesday, and sometimes it's before. But usually then after City Council Tuesday comes the Criminal Justice Commission Wednesday. And that's uh, always a fun time because here you have the state's attorney, the highway patrol, the sheriff's commander who provide the law enforcement for our city. We don't have our own police department. And you have uh, all the other people from the city that are there Uh, and the commission to talk about criminal justice issues in the city. And, of course, one of the big things, of course, with the homeless is the encampments that must be cleaned up. And I volunteered to go check that out. And then I just went ahead and went to one that was happening that day. And what you don't know will surprise you because you hear about these encampments and there's lots of them and over the last year there's tonnage taken away when these spots are cleaned up. There, you know, in this one spot I went to after the criminal justice meeting was along the freeway. It's an exit ramp and it's difficult to get in there but just driving by from the street I could see the things that I was unaware of before. For instance, there were some guys with vests on, and they appeared to be doing the bulk of the raking up and cleaning up that I couldn't see. What I could see was the cloud of dust they were raising. And then it turns out that they're from the prison. They're work-release prisoners or whatever. They're prison labor to come out and do these things. But... The city pays for it in one way or another, and I feel like most of the people in the city do. It's sort of something the county should pay for, especially now that they have all this money from this uh, Proposition H that I've said before, $3 billion over 10 years. That's quite a bit of money. But really, in perspective, I love books, and I have this new book, it's just called politics. And in this uh, front cover, someone has taped something they cut out from somewhere else. And it says, the cost of the U.S. war in Iraq to the U.S. government has been $1.7 trillion with another $500 million owed to veterans. Hmm. I don't know if they'll see that, but it goes on to say that the military operations in Afghanistan and Pakistan since 9-11 have cost the U.S. government another trillion dollars. Much of the $212 billion earmarked for reconstruction of Iraq has disappeared into a black hole of waste and fraud. Well... I guess then, three billion over ten years seems like a reasonable waste. I guess the veterans get cheated on both ends. That's sad. And there's been a day that has gone by and a new way to produce this podcast in two segments. And I got to tell you, the day was going, uh, well, kind of good. You know, I went to um, some meetings, had some help getting around. And um, the first meeting was the Homeless Coalition Now, this comes on the heel of the homeless city, uh, homeless effort yesterday that I felt pretty good about, at least that, you know, there was a good attitude in the room. And so, if you remember, I live in a place where the county has a lot of power because, well, there used to be not much up here and it was just owned by Los Angeles County. So... But our city is in L.A. County in SPA 1 of the service provider areas of the county's umbrella of public services. And the county itself has five people, they call them supervisors, that set the tone. Now we have a new county supervisor representing this district, Catherine Barger, and she's a nice lady. I've met her before. And, you know, I'm of the opinion that people do the best they can. And not even someone in political positions that seem to have a lot of power can really change things that much. But she has her personal assistant, her key deputy up here, Donna Tremere. And she's the head of the Lancaster City Homeless Coalition or um, commission, and she's also—I saw her Monday at the cemetery for Veterans Day. So I appreciate all the effort she puts into representing the community. And when she said nice things to me after the meeting, or after I spoke at the meeting, it—it it was kind of special. It was festive. So I was very fortunate today to see her twice. First at the Homeless Commission meeting for the L.A. County group that, you know, it's so entangled and you have the people that give services and the people that get the grants that pay the other people, you know, different agency or 501c3. It's so, and even within the county government and how the money is distributed, I mean, you'd have to be a pretty astute person or have been involved in it for a while to even be able to understand how it all works. But there I was at the meeting and Donna was there and my pals Fran and Shannon were there and, you know, we're working on diversion, how to help people who are soon to be homeless. And now that's a hard one because how would we know they're soon to be homeless well, they'd have to tell us, and that would require a way to let them know that they can't let us know that that's about to happen. And that's a lot of iffiness in there. It's uh, the tough one to figure out, but we're working on it. But this is nice, because we have representatives from the sheriff's department there, and the city wants to clear out the homeless and the, some of the providers want to bring them a sandwich. And so they work at cross purposes, but there's an effort. I guess that's the best I can say about it, because there is something good that will come out of it all. And, you know, you just keep toiling. Then I got to go and briefly talk to my friends who were on an election election watching commission for an NAACP local chapter um, election where the president and the officers will be chosen and installed. And it's kind of fun to be involved in that, although it's always a learning curve for everyone, including me, about these things. And then I got to go to the party. The Salvation Army and my friend Hector Acosta, he's the co-chair, vice-chair of the L.A. County Homeless Commission meetings that I go to. And he's also the lieutenant at the Salvation Army, the one place in this whole area that has homeless services because the county made a waiver for an old hospital and let actors organization come in there. And they're equipped to do that. That's what they do but it's still only a hundred beds and it's been designated the winter shelter. So the 5,000 people that need somewhere to go, well, I don't know what we're going to do. And like I said, you, you never know how all these things work out, but now Hector has been tasked by this group, LASA or LA County housing authority. And, you know, way back there, they're controlling the purse strings, but, He's been tasked with helping our sister city to the south, Palmdale, house their homeless as well. And Hector is really the only one doing anything, and I don't want to be selfish, but, you know, I don't want to work Hector to death either. But then tonight I got to go to Hector's party, and he fed his flock, his congregation, a nice you know, Thanksgiving-style dinner, turkey and pie, and it was just great, and there were people sitting around, and it was just so festive, everyone enjoying a great meal. That's nothing to sneeze at. I, I love a good meal anytime, and everyone was enjoying it tonight. So then I get home, and it's just strange, because, you know, this is a personal matter, but I have a a family member who has been off the grid for 10 years and reappeared and is threatening or, you know, I've heard that family members, other family members feel threatened by the emails and, but he's basically homeless now and wants somebody to do something, which is what I spent the whole day trying to fix for other people locally. There's so much personal pain out there. I talked to a former detective yesterday whose own brother, I may have mentioned this, had a drug problem and stole from the family and did these things. So, you know, everyone was talking at the first meeting about the topic was, what do you like about the holidays? And everybody liked family and, I'm thinking, my God, sometimes it's the best thing in the world to be far away from your family and not have to go through some of that craziness. So it's on days like these that you say, who cares about what Donald Trump is doing? But there were some developments. Robert Mueller got an extension on using Paul Manafort to give him more information. And now that Trump has this Matt Whitaker at the Justice Department. He knows what's coming. It can't be a very Thanksgiving time for him. But if you watch Fox News, you wouldn't know that. They seem to live in a different reality than I do and paint things in ways the caravan's coming and all these threats and trying to buy off Turkey by giving up some guy that's here in this country they want so they'll shut up about the Saudis uh, mutilating the journalist that lives in the United States, you know. But after other things, personal things, it kind of drives those things out of your mind. And I guess for me, it all comes down to the fact that there may be things that we're never going to be able to fix but we sure gotta keep fighting. ¶¶